Thank you so much for joining us at Remnant Church Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more or support this ministry, please go to remnantchurch.church. And now, the message from Pastor Caleb. Titus chapter 3, verse 3. For we too were once foolish. Say amen. amen. Disobedient. Deceived. Enslaved by various passions and pleasures. Living in hatred, malice, and in envy. Detesting one another. It sounds something like this. I can't stand so and so. But when the kindness of God, our Savior. Anybody see kind of the twist here? There's a turn here. I was disobedient. I hated people. I hated myself. I was disobedient. I was foolish. I was living for me. But when the kindness of God. The rapper said it best. I like big butts and I cannot lie. I'm going to tell you this is a big butt right here of the gospel. I thank God for butts in the Bible. I was on my way to hell, but God. I was lost, but God. I was deceived, but God. Anybody thankful for God showing up? But when the kindness of God. And it is the kindness of God that leads a man unto repentance. The goodness of God. When the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Not by works of righteousness that we had done. Mm -mm. But according to his mercy, through the washing of regeneration and the renewal by the Holy Spirit, the born again experience, he poured, I'm almost overwhelmed, y'all. He poured out his spirit on us abundantly, abundantly, ab ab not just enough, more than enough. I want you to look at me real good. Take a good look at me. Take a good look at me. You see me? You see me? You can't see all that God has done in me. You see me and you think, well, you got a lot of issues going on there. Your beard is gray. Pastor, you haven't dyed your beard lately. Some of you looking at me and thinking, hmm, you've lost a little bit of weight, but you got a lot more to go. Some of you are thinking, boy, you sure are sweaty. Are you, yeah, I am. You got that right. I'm sweating to death up here. Some of y'all looking at me and thinking, well, boy, he's bald-headed. He ain't got much hair. Bless his heart. Ain't nothing much to look at, but let me tell you something on what you can see what you cannot see is I used to be dead and I am alive what you cannot see is I was on my way to hell but I'm on my way to heaven what you cannot see is the most important thing about me I am in Christ and Christ is in me mm -hmm. I can tell I've been gone <laughs> he poured out his spirit on me and on you so that having been justified, been justified by his grace, we have, I love this, become heirs with the hope of eternal life. This morning I want to preach to you, know that this message isn't, uh, or this title of this message isn't something uh, that will blow your mind, but it should. It's called the gospel. The gospel. It's just as simple as that. I come preaching nothing today but the good news of Jesus Christ. When I get down from here, I hope to have painted a picture of you. When you look at a picture, do you think about the artist? Do you think about how the artist looks? And listen, I don't want you to think about me today. I want you to think about the picture that I'm drawing. When you leave here, I want you to think about Jesus Christ crucified, risen again, and ascended into heaven. I don't care if you remember my name, if you remember the name of the church or the name of the person beside you. 
but do not forget why I'm standing here. Do not forget why we've assembled together. Do not forget the hope of my message. Do not forget the point of my message. Do not forget the man, the theme of my message is Jesus Christ and where he is lifted up, where he's preached, where he is taught, where he is sung. The Bible says he will draw all men unto himself. I've got one message. I preach one message and it is Jesus Christ. Amen today. Here we go. Titus uh, chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 2. Look at there. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9. I love this verse. This is my favorite verse. For you are saved by grace. You know what grace is? The goodness of God. For you are saved by God's goodness through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is God's, what? His gift. This gift is not from works. Well, it wouldn't be a gift if it was. This is not from works so that no one can boast. But I stand here and boast today. man came into the pastor's office and with tears running down his face, he sat there for a while. Nobody said anything. Finally, the man, pastor said, is everything okay? What's wrong? He said, have you ever questioned or doubted your faith? The preacher thought, here's this 90-year-old man questioning Doubting himself. He got mad. The first thing he got mad, not at the man, he got mad at the devil. Here's a 90-year-old man who served God all, most of all his life, and Satan never quits. He never gives up. He always will try to sow seeds of doubt and insecurity in your relationship with Christ. Are you really saved? Did you really do enough for God? And, 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 and on and on. And the man said, do you ever question your faith? Do you ever doubt your faith? And the pastor looked at him and said, oh yes. He said, I doubt my faith all the time. But I have 100% confidence in him. His faithfulness to me. Somebody ought to say amen. You see, Paul said, I cannot boast in myself, in my faithfulness. I'll never be able to stand up here and I laugh at those who talk about how faithful they are to God. It makes me sick. God, look what God has done because I'm so faithful. You're so egotistical. You're so full of pride. And God done what he done in spite of you. I will never get up here and brag about my faith in God because I know me almost as good as God knows me. And I know that I am faithless at times. I'm like the man. You want to know? People say, I'm like David. I'm like, well, let me tell you who I'm like. I'm like the unnamed man who said, Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. Times I believe, times I don't. And so I'll never get up here and boast about my faithfulness to God, but I will always stand up here and boast about his faithfulness to me. I serve a God who is faithful and true. Amen. He said we are saved by grace, by his goodness through faith. By the way, you didn't even, that faith didn't even come from you. The Bible says every man has been given a measure of faith. You see how much God wants to save you? He says it's his will that no man should perish, no body should perish, but that all will come to him. This is his will. We're saved by grace, the goodness of God. It is a gift. And this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul would say in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. <laughs> under salvation to stay with me now to everyone who believes it ain't good preaching it ain't good singing it ain't good talking it ain't good programs it ain't good none of that it ain't money none of those things what draws a man what changes a man is the gospel of Jesus this good news that Jesus Christ died and he rose again for an old sinner like me to save my soul and I never get tired of it it never gets old it's the good news of Jesus Christ 
and I'm not ashamed of Paul. Listen, he, when he said this, he had some people looking at him. See, Paul was a Jew of Jews, a law keeper of law keepers. He knew everything about the law. But he said, I consider everything I've learned to be crap, dung, feces, caca. Waste is worthless when I come to find out who Jesus really was. And I can tell you, I have, I, I used to, hey, I, when I, if I, when I, before I ate a steak, I thought hot dogs were okay. I thought they were fine. But when the first time I tasted a grilled steak, I left hot dogs behind. They're fine. They're okay. You go to a baseball game, you don't have an option for a steak. That's fine. You eat a hot dog. But friend, I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good and there is nothing. I said there is nothing. I said there is nothing that tastes like Jesus, feels like Jesus, heals like Jesus. Nothing. So I am not ashamed. Because it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. And Paul meant it. He preached it to authorities. He preached it to powers. He preached it to kings and paupers. He preached it to the disabled and the abled. He preached the gospel. And that's what I want to share with you today. Acts chapter 17. Paul is standing before uh, a crowd of people. And he begins to preach the gospel to them. You can find this account in Acts chapter 17. You can turn with me to verse 22. And we'll read down a few passages, a few, few, few verses. And Paul is preaching. I'm going to point out three crowds, three types of people in the crowd that he's preaching to. Before I get to that, let me tell you where he's preaching. He's preaching in Athens. I'm not talking about Athens, Georgia. This is Athens, Greece a place called Mars Hill, a place where there was great debate. People like to get together and just fuss and argue and talk about what they believe. Have you ever been around people who want to just argue all the time? That's what was going on here. Uh, they, were, they were debating. Uh, this was a place where philosoph uh, philosophical and religious beliefs were debated and argued and talked about. This was a place where they were very religious Paul stood in the middle of this place, Mars Hill, and he said, people of Athens, but he might as well have said people in Waycross. Pe oh. People in Hoboken. Nahunter. Willa Coochie. I don't know where some of these people got these names from these places. <laughs> Luda Wussy. <laughs> Argyle, Georgia. Blackshear and Jessup. And all y'all people that's all messed up. Here we go. Okay, we ain't going through everywhere. Pearson. People of Athens, I see that you are extremely religious in every respect. I was passing through and observing the objects of all these objects you had to worship. And I even found an altar. Now listen to this. And on this altar I found inscribed to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance... This I proclaim to you. Now stop right there. He said, what you call unknown, I know as the one true living God. And let me talk about him for just a few moments. This is the God, he would go on to say, who made the world and everything in it. He is the Lord of heaven and he is the Lord of earth. He does not live in temples or shrines made with hands. Neither is he served by human hands as though he needs anything since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all 
things. And then verse 28, it says, For in him and by him and through him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, For we are also his offspring. Since we are his offspring then. Now Paul's just telling them who this unknown God is. We shouldn't think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone or an image fashioned by human art and imagination. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, listen now, God commands now. Wait a minute. God now commands. Right now. Today, God is commanding all people everywhere to repent. Because, why? He has set a day. That's important, y'all. There is a day on the calendar of God that has been set in stone. And nothing will change it, nothing will move it, nothing will delay it. He has already set out before the foundations of the world. There is coming a day that he is going to judge the world. Well, pastor, I thought you were going to preach some good news to us. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. He is, there's coming a day he's going to judge the world in righteousness by the man he has appointed, who is Jesus. And he has provided proof of this to everyone. By raising Jesus from the dead. He's preaching the gospel. And when they heard about this, what Paul was saying, they began to ridicule him. The King James Version says they begin to mock him, talk about him, laugh at him, make fun of him. They begin to ridicule him. But then others said, We'd like to hear from you again. Maybe you could come again later and talk to us about this Jesus stuff. Interesting. So Paul left. However, some people, after they heard Paul's preaching, some people joined him and believed. There's three groups of people here today. There's three groups of people in this church today. Notice I said in the church, not the church. There's a difference. So you can be raised up in church, but if you ain't raised up in Christ, you're going to go to hell. Nowhere in between. You can be be baptized, christened in the church. You can talk to your priest. You can do all those things. You can sing in the choir on the worship team. You can do sound and media. You can do whatever. You can go. Listen, that's great and grand, but you can be close and be far from God. Some ridiculed him, mocked him. The other group said, That was good. We'd like to hear you again. They procrastinated. And then the third group believed. I want to talk about that for a moment. I thought about mocking people. I I thought about Jesus being mocked, the gospel being mocked. And I couldn't help but think in the Bible how Jesus himself was mocked. I remember moments before the resurrection, hours before the resurrection, he was blindfolded. He was beaten. He was slapped. He was mocked. He was hit. And then they'd say, okay, if you're the son of God, prophesy. They'd smack him. Prophesy who just hit you. What's my name? After this, those were religious people, by the way. Those weren't the soldiers of Rome. Those were church people who'd done that. In the hands of the Roman soldiers, he would be beaten and then a crown of thorns would be placed upon his head. They'd give him a, a makeshift staff. They'd clothe him in linen, in, 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 in purple. And then they'd fall down on, his knee, on their knees and say, 
Hail, King of the Jews. Making fun of him. Once he got through all that, hanging on a cross, religious people now mocked him. They said, oh, hey, he talks about saving people. He can, if you can save people, why don't you save yourself? Come down off of that cross. They were mocking him. Some of you are saying, well, Pastor, that ain't nothing like what Paul's talking about. They mocked Paul. They didn't mock Paul. They mocked what Paul preached. And, and, and listen here. There is no difference in mocking Jesus and mocking God's word because John chapter 1 says that Jesus is the word made flesh. So when you mock God's word, you can get up here and stand, mock what I've got to say. But I'm not saying what I want to say. I'm not saying what my opinions are, what I think. Some of y'all may think, well, pastor, whoa, you done lost your mind. Well, I'm here. This is a joke. Maybe you came here today because somebody talked you into coming. And you think, I do not believe this. And this man is crazy. But you could not be any further from the truth. I'm not crazy. I'm more clear in my mind than I've ever been. I'm more right than I've ever been. I'm more focused than I've ever been. I've got more clarity than I've ever had before. Every time Jesus comes out of my mouth, I know I'm preaching the truth. But they mocked. They said, this man is crazy. And the words he says, the words he speaks are crazy. I hope to God you're not mocking him. Those watching online, I hope to God you're not sitting there Mocking me, but if that's what's keeping you listening, mock away. Not only were there mockers here, they were procrastinators. They weren't so rude. In fact, they said, we like what you're saying, Paul, but we'd like to, we'd like to hear more about it. Man, that was some good stuff. I used to be, I used to get a little high off of people patting me on the back and saying, good message. That's a good message you preached today. Oh boy, you preached good today. <laughs> I did? What part did you like the best? Hmm, that was good. There's a little feedback in this mic, by the way. Hmm, that's, that's good. So, but now I don't care anything about that. In fact, I find more, God does more work when people storm out mad. They get angry, they get offended. Because that's what the Bible's supposed to do. Before I got saved, I got offended. And then I had to deal with my offense. Am I right or am I wrong or is Jesus right? I had to deal with my offense. I don't, so bragging on me to say, oh, you done a good job, boy, you preached a good message today. I, I, I believe that people will go to hell not because they've heard good messages. They'll go to hell because they heard, heard good messages and they waited. Good messages don't save anybody. Good messages don't bring deliverance to anybody. Applied truth. So you can hear the truth all day, but till you live it. Until you say, I'm going to take this truth and apply it to my life. Until then, you'll say, good message, pastor. Walk out of here. By the grace of God, you come back. But everybody doesn't come back. And just, in fact, Wednesday night before I went to preach, Mark shared with me. He said, he said Pastor, he said, there was a gentleman. Uh, his friend had invited this gentleman to come to our church Sunday or Wednesday. I guess they had talked and he knew that this man needed Jesus. So he invited him to church to come. Wednesday night, to come to Remnant. But he never came because Wednesday morning he overdosed in his car and he died. See, we talk about, 
I'll put off salvation for maybe next week or some other day. Or maybe you think today that you've got to do something before you get saved. You don't have to do anything before you get saved. Jesus has already done everything that needs to be done. All you've got to do is believe that Jesus done it for you. That's it. But he put it off. You see, we talk about days and, and next week and God doesn't know what you're talking about because God is not limited by time and day. In fact, he said a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. Hours on, and calendars, that's for people who can't, can't think like God. We need somebody to regulate days and times and hours, but God isn't like that. In, in, in the beginning was God. He's always been. He's not limited by time and space. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. But he says this for us who understand. Now is the day of salvation. Today. You'll never find in the Bible where God talks about doing something tomorrow. He says do it today while there is time. He talks about redeeming the time. And he talks to those people who want to focus on yesterday. See the greatest gift God can give you. You've heard me say this church. The greatest gift that God can give you is not a child, it's not a spouse. The greatest gift God can give you is a today. Tomorrow is gone, yesterday's not promised, but today is the day that you can give your life to Jesus. Today is the day that you can be saved. Today is the day that you can say yes to God. And to this day, today, can change all your tomorrows. But the people procrastinated. It's kind of like when Paul spoke to King, uh, not King, when he spoke to the governor, Festus. Felix. Festus was on gun smoke, my bad. <laughs> Felix. <laughs> and he said, he said, I want to talk to you about Jesus. And he began to spoke, speak about righteousness, self-control, the judgment to come. And the Bible says Felix became terrified. King James Version says he began to tremble, but he didn't trust. And this is what he said, leave for now, and when I have opportunity, I'll hear more about what you've got to say. Nowhere in the Bible do we find Felix giving his life to Jesus. Paul would go to King Agrippa just a few chapters later. And Paul would preach to King Agrippa the gospel. And you know what King, the King, King Agrippa said? He said, you almost persuaded me. You've done a good job. You almost persuaded me to be a Christian. Some of you will walk out of here today and say, that pastor about got, he about got to me today. I've heard it. I've heard people say, pastor, you about got to me today. What does that even mean? I'm not trying to get to you today. What you Actually, what you meant is God, the creator of heaven and earth, was dealing with your soul and your spirit, and you chose to ignore God. Some ridiculed and mocked, some procrastinated, but then the Bible says some believed. This is why I do what I do. For the few that will believe. Now I want you to look at me. Pastor, is that all it takes is to believe? Yeah. I'm not talking about a belief that says I know he exists. I'm talking about a trust that says I know he exists and I know he loves me and he wants me. He cares for me. And that's what it is. You say, well, now somebody else told me uh, you got it. I don't care what somebody else told you. I could care less what whoever said on whatever church they pastor, on whatever street they pastor on. I do not care what they said. You're not at their church. You're not listening to them right now. You're listening to me. 
And I'm telling you right now, if you are lost, all you have to do is be found. If you are blind, all you've got to do is see. And the only one that can do this for you is Jesus. Good preaching does not save you. I could practice and prepare and stand in front of the mirror and get my motions right and all that stuff. And I've been foolish enough to do that before. But good preaching does not save anybody. This is a miracle. Salvation is a miracle. Until you understand it as such, it'll just be religion to you. This will just be church to you. But this isn't just church to me. This isn't just religion to me. This is the greatest miracle on the face of the earth. The miracle of salvation where the God of heaven and earth reaches down and he starts doing something inside of you. See, a man can't be saved unless he's drawn by the Father. Unless God get a hold of you. Paul said it like this. It's not with words of enticing words of wisdom eloquent words that I come to you today but when I preach I want my preaching to be accompanied by the power demonstration of power what power the power that saves see God wants to save you today I'm standing here not because I got everything together Jason you hear me I don't have it together. In fact, I'm like, I, I know what Paul meant when he said, I'm chief among sinners. I go good for a little while, really good. I think I got it. That's my mistake. And then I fall flat on my face. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I struggle just like everybody else. I believe, sometimes I don't believe. I'm not talking about salvation. I believe God saved me, but I'm talking about sometimes I take things into my own hands and worry about things I know God said don't worry about. I know what it's like to struggle. I know what it's like to want to please God and to fail God. I'm an expert at that. I know what that's like. I know what it feels like. I'm not standing here. I'm not preaching the gospel call today because I think I've got it all together. I'm not that foolish and ignorant and prideful. No, God uses me in spite of me. And I'm an ambassador here. I'm not from this place. Let me just tell you what my assignment is and who I am today. I am a stranger. I am a pilgrim. I I don't belong here, but God's got me here for a season to tell you what heaven is saying. And heaven is saying this, repent and believe so that you may be saved. Yeah. And I am not talking about religion. To hell with your religion. I'm talking about do you have a relationship with God? Do you know God? Rather, Paul would say, does God know you? I said, does God know you? Does he know who you are? Do you have a relationship with him? Oh, some will say on that day, didn't we prophesy in your name? Did what day? That day, that set, that day I just talked about. They'll say, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we heal in your name? Didn't we preach in your name? And they'll say, yeah, you, he said, yeah, you did. But I never knew you. You knew me. But I didn't know you. And that's why this is a relationship. Holly just doesn't talk to me and I just sit there. Sometimes. <laughs> but she talks to me. And then you know what I do? I talk to her. She's not just my wife. I am her husband. You understand what I'm saying? We have a covenant together. I want to ask you, do you have a relationship with God? And uh, let me ask you this. Do you have a relationship with God that has changed your life? I'm not talking about you know God. I'm not talking about, but has, can you mark it down? Can you write it down? This is the moment God done something in me that I couldn't redo, that I couldn't change. I tried to go back and live the old way, but it wouldn't work. I tried to go back and live like I used to live, but I could not do it anymore. Have you had an encounter with God like that? That's what I'm talking about. To hell with denominations and churches and all that. Give me a tree, I'll preach. I don't need this building. I don't need a denominational covering. But I need Jesus. 
I said, I need Jesus. I don't need a title. I don't need pastor by my name or evangelist or anything like that. I am a beggar begging people. If you've not made it right with God, you did it right with him. Don't put it off. You can think I'm crazy. Paul said, I've lost my mind for some, for some. I'm in my right mind. But this one thing I do, I want to preach Jesus to you. And that's what I'm here to do. I've made my mind up about three years ago that I'm going to preach every Sunday like it's my last opportunity. What is? What would I say if this is the last time I could stand before you today? This is what I'd say. Get right with God. Get right with God. Get right with God. Get right. I used to say I wouldn't beg. I lied. You know I beg. Paul said, I beg. I beseech you, brethren. And I'll beg. I'll beg. A Spurgeon said it like this. If they go to hell, may they go to hell with my arms wrapped around their legs. If they have to go to hell, they'll trample over my words and my deeds of love. Let me tell you, I've heard people say, I've heard people say things like this. I won't go that, you know, you be. You may go there, but you'll have to do it over my dead body. Well, there's many a people that will go to hell and they trampled over the crucified body of Jesus Christ. They crucified over the sacrifice. They, cruci- they, 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 was, they walked over going into hell. They made their own mind up in spite of what God done for them. You hear what I'm saying? Some procrastinated. Some uh, mocked. Some believed. In John chapter 1. I don't know if I gave you the verse. But it says for all those who believed. Who received him. To all. I can't get over that all. Nobody picked me first for anything. I remember being playing kickball or baseball. Or I was never picked first. It was me. I ain't even going there. I'm trying to soften my approach. It was just me. I was the last person they would pick. I've always been this. I've always been this wide, but not always this tall. If you understand what I'm saying. Never been picked first for anything. But the gospel changed everything. See, to understand the gospel, you've got to understand that it's a past tense gospel. What do I mean by that? Listen. For God so loved, L-O-V-E-D, past tense. Before I could love him, he loved me. While I was yet a sinner, Christ died, past tense, C-R-C-H-R-I-S-T-E-D, past tense, Christ died for me while I was yet a sinner. To understand the gospel is this, before I could prove anything to him, he proved his love for me. Before I ever thought about coming to him, he came to me. Before I ever was interested in church, he was interested in me. While he was on the cross and I didn't exist, I was on his mind. Do you hear me? This is the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ that he chose me before I could choose him and the book of John says he loved me before I could love him this is the gospel all you've got to do is believe I started trying to count up the other day how many people just since I've been here have received Jesus that professed Jesus that I prayed with and it's been hundreds I just stopped when I, how many people have been baptized hundreds I'm talking about like six seven hundred People have been baptized in this church in six years. I begin to think about that. But every one of those people, none of them could do anything or offer anything to Jesus except their faith. 
You remember the woman at the well? That's my favorite. One of my, I've already said that three times today. That something is my favorite. Well, this is my favorite. This woman, John chapter 4, comes in the middle of the day. Why? Because she was ridiculed. She was a woman of promiscuity. She had been married multiple times. The woman that she was living with wasn't even her husband. Remember the story? And Jesus came to her as she was coming to the well. Jesus began to talk to her and he began to tell her, Hey, give me something to drink. She said, Who are you? She said, Don't you know that I'm a Samaritan? And Jews don't talk to the Samaritans. Samaritans don't talk to Jews. Why are you talking to me? And he said, If you knew the gift of God that was standing, gift, gift of God, who is standing before you, you would ask me of living water and I'd give you water and you would never thirst again. And then I love what this lady said. She said, Give me. While we were in Brazil, I had the opportunity to go to, I'll stay down here, I had the opportunity to go to this house. Every, all the ministry we'd done was on the river, on the Amazon, and you would ride through the Amazon, and you would get off the boat, and you would minister to this house. Some were in communities, but a lot of houses were just by themselves. And the captain of the big boat that we, were, that we slept on, he had heard a month ago this lady screaming while he was on the river and he's a Christian and he works that river all the time he ministers to people on that river and he heard somebody screaming and he turned his boat around and this lady was screaming bloody murder and the husband came running out he pulled up the boat and the husband came running out and he said help me he said my wife's pregnant and I don't know what to do and I'd have looked at him and said I don't either Come get in the boat. Let's go eat. I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know. But anyway, no, I wouldn't have left her there. I wouldn't have left you there. I'm just joking. But I sure wouldn't have known what to do. And uh, so Captain Hernando got off his boat. He knew what to do. Him and a guy named Rodrigo, I think, he went out there. And they delivered this baby. This woman would have normally had other women there, but this, these people were ostracized. They weren't part of any community. They were poor even to be... Everybody's poor compared to how we live, but these people were poor compared to how... They were poor there. You understand what I'm saying? Which is really, really poor. And... So they're telling me this story. This happened a month ago. And they said, we want you to go to this house with us. They, these children have no clothes. I told them after we, the baby was born that we were going to bring them. Me and my wife were going to bring them some clothes. I said, okay, Captain Hernando, because that's what you say to captains, by the way. So I said, okay, Captain Hernando, whatever you say, bro. And that's what we done. We got in the boat, me and Jonathan Abernathy and a few more people, translators, another minister. We got and we went to this house and they brought them the clothes, Jane. That's what wasn't the only reason we were there. While we began to speak to them, uh, Captain Hernando, who speaks Portuguese, by the way, I don't. And uh, so he was speaking Portuguese and they were talking and I didn't know what they were saying. I began to feel something that I had felt many times. The moving of the Holy Spirit. And I knew something was going on and I wanted to be in on it. You understand? So I sat there and I was holding on to every Portuguese word that was being spoken. <laughs> trying to grasp what was going on. Tears began to roll down this father. Young father. Young mother. Jonathan's, who speaks English, began to talk, and that was being translated. I asked one of the translators, I said, what were you telling him? What's going on? I want to know what's happening. And he said, I'm share we're sharing the gospel with him, talking about Jesus. Do they know Jesus? And they said, they don't know Jesus. That they had, they had one time had, had went to the... Uh, 
had been maybe as a child been uh, baptized in the Catholic Church, but but didn't know really anything about Jesus. Didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And they begin to share, and I could tell things were being broke because this man, when we first went over there, he was hard. And I could see the Spirit of God just moving in his life. And I had something to say. And I began to share the gospel with him. John done a great job. I began to share the gospel through translators. They were translating what I was saying. I could feel that God was moving. Then somebody else stepped up and was starting to was speaking to him and speaking to him. And I could tell God was moving. And I got to the point, y'all know how I get. I got excited and anxious and ready. And they were talking and he's crying. And I said, Well, ask him if he's ready to receive Jesus. And there they go, talking. And I'm trying to figure out if he's saying what I want him to say, which is helpless, friend, if you don't know the language. And he told him, and he's looking and he's crying. And I see the translator begin to cry. I looked at him and said, what'd he say? What'd he say? He said, Ooh, ghetto. See, you don't know what that means. I didn't either. But in Bosnian, it'd sound like this. Zelim. If you're Russian, you'd say, Ya, kachu. If you're French, you'd say, Shavu. If you're Vietnamese, you'd say, Toy Muon. If you was Japanese, you'd say, Gahoshidesh. Just trust me. If you was Italian, you'd say Voyo. If you're Chinese, you'd say Wu Xiang. If you're Arabic, you'd say Uridu. If you're Portuguese, you'd say Uquedo. If you were spoke Spanish, Cynthia, you'd say Yo quiero. I said, what did he say? Oh, if you was mute and deaf. Is he ready to get saved? What did he say? With tears rolling down the translator's eyes, with tears rolling down this Portuguese family. I said, what did he say? He said, he said, I want. I want. I want. See, you ain't got to understand everything, but you do have to understand that you're at a place where you need something and that you want something that you do not have. You don't have to know how to pray. You have to know that you need God. And he looked and he said, he said, I want it. I want it. Oh, you know what happened then, don't you? You know what happened then. Snot comes coming out my face, tears in my eyes. I look around. I look around. Everybody's crying. I can feel the spirit of the Lord. And he got just what he wanted. That, that afternoon in 100% humidity and 100 degree weather with water all around us, bugs all around us, the Holy Ghost was moving. See, that's amazing to me. That is amazing to me. Doesn't know the language, don't know the culture, don't know the people, don't know what's proper and what's not proper. Sitting around talking about Jesus and Jesus moves. It's just like what happened at the woman at with the woman at the well. He said, "If you ask me for water, I'll give you water, and you never thirst again. In fact, it'd be like a wellspring of water rising up in you." And you know what she said? I won't. I won't. Give it to me. And I'm going to ask you right now, maybe you don't understand everything. Maybe you don't have everything figured out. But do you want a relationship with Jesus? Do you want a relationship with Jesus? I'm not talking about church. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about do you want a relationship with Jesus? Stand with me all across the building. I would ask you not to move around and cause any scene because this is the part of the service where the greatest miracle on the face of the earth, earth could happen. And I don't know, want anybody to get their focus on you. I want their focus to be on Jesus.
I'm not going to ask you to bow your heads or close your eyes. There's nothing wrong with that, but I'm not doing that. You can play, Malachi. What I'm asking you right now is if you do not have a relationship with Jesus, do not wait. ask you this I'm curious what is it that you don't like about Jesus what is it that you would not like about this gospel that I've given you today the joy part because he said it's unspeakable joy how about peace oh God the greatest gift of Jesus is having peace. I may not have everything, like stuff, but I can lay my head down and have peace. How about forgiveness? You don't want forgiveness? He gives and offers forgiveness. What, what, what is it? Freedom from shame and guilt? Oh my gosh. Have you ever been full of shame? You know you hadn't been the man or the woman that you're supposed to be. And you're full of this guilt, condemnation, and shame? Man, that's heavy, ain't it? It's so heavy. But God can forgive you and wipe away your guilt. Take away your shame. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What is it? Well, I don't know if I can, I don't know pastor, I don't know about your church. Don't forget about my church. I'm not asking you to join this church. I'm asking you not to go to hell. I'm asking you to choose Jesus. You can figure out a church later on. This isn't about style or preference now. This is about one man who was rescued a long time ago trying to get you, before it's too late, to choose Jesus. I had a dream two or three years ago. I shared it with you. In this church, it was me standing in the middle of a road, screaming at people, holding a sign, with the road out behind me. The bridge was out. And I was standing in the road. And I was saying, Turn around! Don't come this way! And people were looking at me and hearing me and they could go right through me. And I would see crash after crash after crash. I'd look back and I'd say, I was holding a sign at one time saying, Turn around! Stop! And they would make eye contact with me just like you are doing right now. And they kept going. Here I am. I woke up. My heart was beating a thousand miles an hour. I was sweating. I was trying to calm down. What, what, what was that? God showing me that's how important what I'm doing is today. It may not be important to you. And I won't be important to a lot of people. That's okay. But I know what I've said today is the message. I know it's the truth. And I know I'm standing at the end of the road right now. Your road. And I'm telling you, detour, turn around, stop. Stop trying. Stop fighting. Stop trying to figure it out on your own. The problem is not you're not trying hard enough. The problem is you're not trusting in the right person. You're not trusting in Jesus today. I'm asking you to trust Jesus today. How can I be saved, Pastor? How can I get off this road that I'm on? How can I do it? It's simple. Lord, I believe. I believe that you died for me. 
I believe that you rose again for me. And I need you, Jesus. I want, I want you, Jesus. I don't care how long you've been to church. I don't care what capacity you're involved in in this church. I don't care if this is your hundredth time or your first time. Right now, I'm not bowing heads. I'm not closing eyes. It's a serious, friend. I ain't never seen a hungry person, a real hungry person, close his eyes looking for food. No, he opens his eyes and he gets to where the food is. And I have bread that you know not of. And I'm, a table's been set right here. A table has been set in front of you. Would you come? Would you come? If God's dealing with you, if God's dealing with your heart, if you've walked away from the table, if you're not living like you're supposed to live, if you've backslidden, if you've walked away, your chair's still here. The chair's still here at the table. The food's still spread out. Jesus is asking, would you come? Would you come? How about over here in this section? You say, what would people think about me? What would they think about you? I don't know. Let's ask. What would you think about somebody who received Jesus today? I would think they made the best decision of their life. You've heard me say that. What would you, what would you say? That they made the best decision. Okay, you're going to say something different. You chose love. What would you say, Mark? I said, you got help. Come get it. Come get it. Come get it. Hey, David. Here's somebody already down at the altar. Would y'all pray? What would you say, David? What? Huh? It's a miracle. He done it for you, didn't he? Changed your life. I'm asking you now, if you don't know Jesus, if you've drifted away, Come, all you who are heavy laden and burdened down, come, come. Take, take on me. My burden is light. My yoke is easy. I want you to do me a favor now. I know what you, I know, you know what I'm going to ask you to do. But I want you to, I love this scripture in the Bible, this passage that talks about this man who is paralyzed. And he come, can't come to Jesus, but he knows that Jesus is right there in his neighborhood. But he has four good friends. And the four good friends get him dressed, get him on a stretcher, load him up, and take him to where Jesus is. The house is full, so they don't let that derail them. They go up to the top of the house, drop this man in, the house with Jesus teaching and Jesus heals him and saves his soul. Maybe you feel like you're paralyzed in spirit today. You can't get out. I'm asking you to be a good friend to somebody right now. This is what I want you to do. Because this is family. Kingdom is family. I want you to ask the person next to you. I want you to say, hey, if you need to come to Jesus, if you need to go down to the front, I'll go down with you. And you take their hand go down to the front with them. This is what I want you to do. Now ask. Take the time. Ask them. If you need to go down, I'll go down with you. Ask them right now. Ask them. If they look at you funny, if they ain't sure, you take them by the hand. If you don't know, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? If you don't, somebody will go with you. Right now, ask them. Maybe there's not somebody around them. Maybe they got they, they got close away from somebody, and there's nobody around. I'll ask you right now. Look at me. You need, look, y'all look at me. Y'all look at me right here. You need to go down to the altar. I'll go down with you. I'm here. You ain't to be the first one. There's already some that's come right now. I'm asking you. This is life or death. This is heaven or hell. Is everything right between you and God? 
Would you procrastinate and wait for another time? You didn't hurt. You don't know if there's another opportunity or another time. Father, don't you want to be the daddy that God's called you to be? Mama, don't you want to be the mama God's called you to be? I'm standing right here. I'm going to wait just a little longer. I'm standing right here. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a relationship with Jesus. If that's you, I'm begging you. I'm asking you. Grab somebody by the hand that's beside you. And come. Right now. Anybody else? Anybody? Anybody? Three, two, one. Amen. I'm thankful for these that have already come today. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to lift your hands to the Lord today. Father, we praise you. Can you just right now open your mouth and begin to thank Jesus? I thank you, Jesus, for salvation. I thank you, Lord, for rescuing me in my darkest night, in my darkest hour. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, for your word, for truth, for love, for peace. I give you praise today. Now I want you to look at me. I want everybody to look at me. I'm fixing to charge you. That's a command. I'm fixing to command you to do something. If you don't like that, encourage or whatever you want to use that feels good to you. But it's a command. I'm charging you this week to take the gospel of Jesus to your friends, and to your family. I am not comfortable with people around me going to hell. I'm not. And I don't want you to be either. It doesn't take a preacher to preach the gospel. Just take somebody who's experienced Jesus to tell about Jesus. And I'm asking you this week, the same Jesus that flowed to you, allow him today, this week, to flow through you. Amen? All right. I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to say it. Time for us to be busy about what God is doing. I got a spiritual uneasiness about in me, inside of me right now. With where we're at as a church, as a body. Not that things aren't great. They are, whatever. Finance is fine, whatever. They're fine. I'm not talking about none of those things. I'm talking about there's a lost and dying world outside of these four walls. What makes Remnant Church, what, what, one of the characteristics of Remnant Church that I love is this, that you guys are bringers. And it's not bringing people just for the sake of numbers. It's bringing people for the sake of their soul. And outside, they're going to wheel out right now this, this, these cards and what we say is grab a card and change a life. I want you to grab four or five of them and be intentional this week. Inviting and sharing Jesus with someone. And then you give them that card to encourage them to come to church. Listen, I'm going to do my best to preach the gospel to them. I want you to do your best to get them here. Okay? You say, well, are you about numbers? Yes. Hear me, look at me. Absolutely. Heaven's about numbers. He said even 
heaven will rejoice after over one soul that comes into the kingdom of God. So I'm about numbers, absolutely. I'm about your children, your grandchildren, your friends, your family, your co-workers. I am. I am about that. And you are too. And this church is. So I encourage you to go out and share the gospel. Invite someone. Bring someone to church. If they say, well, I don't like church. Say, good, you'd love Remnant. It's the weirdest church I've ever been to. Someone said that the other day. They said, Pastor, this church is weird. I said, well, not in a bad way. I said, okay. I take it as a compliment. What I think they were saying is this church is, there's freedom here. And I want you to bring people here so they can hear the gospel. It don't scare me what they look like. It doesn't scare me where they've been. shouldn't scare you what they do, how they, whatever, how they live. Get them here so that they can hear the gospel. And the gospel will change their lives. Will you make a pledge to do that this week? Will you honestly try to do that this week? Let me hear somebody say, yeah, I will. I will. I will. Amen. All right. I love you. I'm praying for you. There ain't nothing you can do about it. God bless you today. We hope that you're encouraged by today's message. If you were, please feel free to share on social media, subscribe, or leave us a review. We can't wait for you to join us here again.